Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, I, want, I know it's two weeks past Christmas. We're into 2018. Everything's moving on. And I just want to press the pause button. And I want to thank you because your response to inviting people for the carol event was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, We surpassed all previous attendances by some distance. We had nearly 1,500 people through those four events. Uh, Just so that you know, I'm not spinning this. Actually, it's probably 1,472. That's how we counted through. Okay, so um, I, I, I just incredible appreciation for you bringing people, um, but the appreciation of those who came was absolutely evident. I had so many. I love occasions like that, and I get around a number of people. And and for some, this is a um, this is their annual event. They live in other places. They're distant from here, and that's the one they're coming to, and they want to know the date. And they want to fix that in their diaries because that's where they want to come, which is really, really excellent. And it was, and the content was, and the quality was, you know, it was, I agree, it was just excellent. But let me tell you this, it was all made worthwhile because you went out and encouraged people and got people to come. That's what made it absolutely worthwhile. So massive thank you to you here at Hazemere. I thought it was terrific up here. Uh, but I also saw the work involved, but it was terrific, and it was worth it, and you made it worth it by your invitations. We're going to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you haven't got a Bible, uh, the words will come up on the screen behind me, and uh, some of you, you know, you will make an, a, a, a visit to the optician, you'll make your appointment every year. That's something that you do to keep a check on your eyesight. Um, and we do the same as a church. And generally we do this uh, in September and January. We want to keep a check on our eyesight. So that's why we call this Vision Sunday. So it's, uh, it's to sharpen our focus and remind us what God has called us to here in High Wycombe. And if you've been coming just a short time, let me say this, I, tr- I trust it's helpful to you. It'll just be a thin slice, it'll just be an angle um, if you go on and exploring church membership, that gives you a much bigger picture. But today it's just an angle. We're at 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 12. And so I have to find 1 Peter 2. Oh, it's here. Great. All right. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected, this is Jesus, by the way, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that caused people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
God's special possession so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Well, it it starts as you come to him. So I want to look at three things, if we have time, uh, that, that are the results of coming to him. So I want to look at what happens, uh, what we become, and what are the effects. What happens, what we become, and what are the effects. And as you come to him, what happens? Listen, first of all, get this. The Christian life is not passive. For it to happen, it's not a passive thing. It doesn't just happen. You've got the first line, as you come to him. You have to make the effort. The Christian life, uh, yes, it's a gift. I get all that. I understand all that. But it isn't effortless. There are things you have to do and take responsibility for. Don't think it's just going to fall in your laps. It doesn't work like that. you, You have to put some... You have to put some things in here. You have to be very intentional. To follow Jesus Christ, you have to be very intentional. I remember watching the film, The Karate Kid, in the 1980s. Skinny kid moves to Los Angeles, gets roughed up, knocked around by local toughies. He wants to learn how to defend himself and stand up for himself. If you have seen the film, admit it now and raise your hand. Look, most of you, wow. Mr. Miyagi is a Japanese gardener. He reluctantly agrees to teach him karate. And the first lesson, waxing cars. So he arrives on the first day for his karate lesson, waxing cars. How does it go? Wax on. Oh, they're all doing this down there. Wax on, wax off. Come with me again, okay. Wax on, wax off. I know you felt silly, but so did I. Hey. Wax on, wax off. <laughs> he does it all day. Next day, it's paint the fence. So he paints the fence. And he's very particular how he must do this. Paint the fence. Paint the fence. So it gets him painting the fence. And then it's paint the house. Paint the house. And, and the last one is Santa floor. Santa floor. Santa floor. Do you know that? And then... And he thinks, I'm being played here. So you know what? I just think, I've been taken for a ride. I quit. I had enough. So this is the excerpt at which they get to. And the floor. And the floor. And the floor.
You enjoy? Yeah, great film. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's it after that. <laughs> now, now you're stuck. <laughs> he thinks he's wasting his time. He thinks he's coming for karate lessons. He thinks he's wasting his time. He's, he thinks nothing's happening. And yet, through the ordinary, everyday disciplines, he realizes he's learning karate all the time. And it was all unaware. Sometimes it's like that with us. We wonder whether our prayers are making a difference. So you know, I'm praying. I, was a, I think that just the ceiling hears me. That's it. Sometimes we, we think like that. Sometimes, you know, we give, give, give. All the care and kindness we're giving out, nothing back, nothing back, nothing back. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? You know, I come to church, and I, I'm serving in this, and I'm serving in that, and then I get in here. And, you know. well, let me tell you, God is at work in your life, and he's building us together. And it's no small thing. It's absolutely essential you get this. God is at work. What's it say in Philippians 1.6? He he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, he's not going to stop, my friends. He is going to be at work, whatever. And he's building something wonderful. And it's a house. It's a spiritual house. It's, it's wonderful. You ever lift your eyes. What do you have a vision for? You need a vision for the church, my friends, of what it is to be together. In Hebrews the writer says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good works. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. This isn't passive. It's thoroughly intentional. Don't miss out on what God has for you and therefore miss out on what God has for us. As you come to him, living stones, we are being built together. You can't do one week on and two weeks off. Doesn't work like that. One week on, two weeks off. No, 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 no. We're being built together. There's a discipline of coming. It's not a passive, this is not a passive thing. We have to be thoroughly intentional. Thoroughly intentional. It happens week by week and month by month and year by year. And sometimes you don't see a lot of difference. And yet God is at work all the time. All the time. Day by day. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. And it, wh- wh- Why a spiritual house? Why does he use that terminology? You have to remember that Peter's a Jew. And spiritual house conjures up temple. And in the temple's the glory of God. And this glory is what Isaiah experienced in Isaiah chapter 6. And he goes into the temple. And my goodness me, he is decimated by the glory of God. He has a vision that leaves him absolutely undone. You know, that's exactly what he says. I've come apart in the presence of God. I mean, glory in this building. He has a vision of God that literally pulls him apart. So he... Peter is thinking the temple and glory, spiritual house and glory. I was reading the other week about the dedication of the temple in Solomon's time. 
And, uh, I mean, such glory that the, the, the priests who had duties to do couldn't do them. They'd all prepared for this moment and they, they couldn't do it. They couldn't get in the temple. It was so full of the glory and presence of God. They're all outside on their face. All outside. And Peter's saying here, you're a spiritual house. What's that? That's a place of glory. You know, sometimes we miss these things. You're the people of God. That's where the glory is. Don't underestimate the wonder of the church, my friends. Don't do that. You know, the gathering of God's people. God lives amongst the praises of his people. If you're a Christian, you've been rescued by the power of God. You've been saved from serving yourself. You've been saved from being your own rescuer, your own savior. You've been saved from finding out your own worth and trying to make yourself worth something. You've been saved by God's power. What into? You've been called into a people, not an isolated, one-off, lone ranger Christianity. It doesn't exist. We come, as, we come, yes, as individuals, but we're brought together. It's a corporate thing. That's the glory. New Day youth event is run by New Frontiers as a network of churches, which we are all part of. And they have about six and a half thousand at New Day youngsters. Seventy of them came from Kings this year. Look, they will tell you they had a brilliant time, here's the word, together. Not on their own, but together. They'll have memories and stories they'll take down the years of what happened there together. That's what they will do. On one response card, one of the ministry team noted this. He said, so, so uh, boys had come to him, and he said, all three boys didn't want to go home without one last encounter with the Holy Spirit. My friends, this happens when we're together. Don't miss it. Don't miss the importance of coming together. Martin Lloyd-Jones, an astounding British preacher, uh, based in London in the 1940s, 60s, um, when the technology became available for his sermons to be recorded, he resisted, and he didn't want his sermons recorded. And he resisted for quite a while, and then, it, then he, then, praise God, he, he, he opened them up. I mean, his teaching ministry is, <laughs> I remember some of it, it's extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. Now the reason he resisted was that he said listening to a sermon at home was nothing like being in the midst of the people of God. He said listening to a sermon is not a spectator. It's not a spectator thing. It's a participation communal thing. It's a communal experience. That was his point. You can't do occasionally, I'm going to pop in and, and uh, you know, I'll get all my material online. I'll get it on. I'll, um, I'll listen to sermons in the car. I'll hear them at home. I'm being fed by the word. And then occasionally I'll pop in. It doesn't work. Hear this. You need a vision of the church. You need to get it. One week on, 
two weeks off, it doesn't work like that. It needs some consistency. With every discipline, you need consistency. Worship, preaching, prayer, fellowship, it's all communal. An observation of one of our relatives who came to the 2016 um, Christmas event. And they'd never been before. And they came there. And you would have thought, they would have said, wow, that was amazing. That was brilliant. One of the first things they noticed was the community of this church. That was the, one of the first things they noticed. It wasn't so much what happened on stage and the singing and the, all this sort of stuff. It wasn't that. They noticed community. You and I were probably here and all the rest of it and never thought about it. We probably thought it's all going on up here. No, this person recognizes community, sees community. Don't you underestimate what God is doing with us together. Amen? That's really important for you. That's why John at the carol service encourages people not come just to Alpha but why don't he say, come on a Sunday morning, and not just while he said, you know, let's just come. Give it a bit of a run. Get a feel. Why? Because there's something of the weight of God in this place when his people come together. We have an access to the glory of God when we are together that's otherwise unavailable. Raise your sights. Remember who you are. Remember what God is calling you to. A spiritual house. There's more glory here than you realize. Living stones being built together. It's where glory is. 1857, Jeremy Lamper, he's a businessman. He starts a midday, one-hour prayer meeting in New York, downtown New York. 12 o'clock, midday, no one comes. 12.20, a few people join him. They say to him, we'll be there tomorrow. Two years later, in New York, in different locations all around New York, 10,000 people get together for that midday prayer meeting. In different places and different numbers, and they're praying. They reckon that 50,000 to 80,000 people, estimated, came to Christ in New York during that time. I tell you, my friend, there's glory when God's people come together. There's glory. 1949, Hebrides, church is almost lifeless. Two sisters, old ladies, praying. Beware of old ladies praying. That's what they said about in, the, in communist Russia. It's just a bunch of old ladies praying. And the whole regime fell apart. Beware. And then these events started to happen. A chain of events. The whole of the island for almost three years were caught. Why? God came down. I just wanted to read you this account. Duncan Campbell had been invited to preach there. And he says, a few days later, the dam really burst with living waters of revival. On the first Sunday evening, Campbell recounts the church was full. And the Spirit of God was moving in such a way I couldn't preach. I just stood still and gazed upon the wondrous moving of God. Men and women were crying out to God for mercy all over the church. There was no appeal made whatsoever. After meeting for over three hours, I pronounced the benediction. 
and told the people to go out, but mentioned that anyone who wanted to continue the meeting could come back later. Over 600 people had gathered in the churchyard to continue the service. Back inside the church, the Holy Spirit moved in powerful conviction and manifestation. All over the church, people fell to the ground under the power of God. A busload of people arrived from 60 miles away. The presence of God fell upon a bus. So they did not even have the strength to get out of the bus and into the church. Men and women who had been called, stone cold towards God a few days earlier, were now crying out to him for mercy. People were being born again spontaneously all over the place. I can't get over that. I, I just can't get over that. Can't raise our sights, church. I cry out for God. You know the stone cold people here in this neighborhood. There is in every neighborhood. Oh, let's be a people who cry out to God for people who are lost. Nothing is impossible with Him. Nothing. Nothing. Some would say, oh, it's another institution, a religious club. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know this, I know this. When, you, when you, you're in it long enough, you'll see all the flaws. I get it, I get it. I'm part of the floor, I realize that. But another institution? You must be joking. This is the one that Jesus started. This is the one that Jesus committed to. This is the one that Jesus is building. Christians, raise your sights. Raise your sights about the church. I think it's a revelation. I think we need a revelation about the church. That's, this is the glory. Spiritual house. Spiritual house. That's where the glory is. We want to make the most out of our diversity here in the church, my friends. And on the second week in February, we're going to begin a series called Invited. And uh, God has blessed us so much. You've got people of a variety of backgrounds, ages, um, races, you know. And, and what's more, it reflects, it reflects our town. And the gospel invites people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And we want to celebrate that. Now, most of it will be going in the book of Acts. That's where it'll be based, with devotional readings each day. And we'll have a hospitality, we'll have a hospitality challenge. The challenge will be to cross your culture, meet someone else, connect with somebody else. And I, 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 this is really important for us. This is the, this is, this is, Paul, in Ephesians chapter three, he talks about the wonder, this wonder. And he's talking about the church. And it's every tribe, nation, generation, whatever, the church. You know, to know Jesus, to know him is to be part of his people. That's why small groups are so important to us. So Lord, you don't think, shall I, shan't I? It's just which one will I get in? Just get connected. And you've been built into a spiritual house. And when we're built into a spiritual house, what do we become? We become a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That is what we become. Is that clock accurate? It is. Okay. Just, uh, 
Oh, yeah, okay, that's true. <laughs> All right, let me rush. So, um, I need to explain how this works because in those days, in that culture, in the ancient time, they'd have a temple all over the place. They were, towns were full of temples, cities full of temples. And it's not something you would not go to infrequently. You would regularly go there and call upon your God. And every culture had a spiritual elite and they were called the priests. And they would mediate between you and your God. And they would offer sacrifices for you. And you would do all these things through the priest. That was the norm. That's how spirituality worked. And when Christianity came, it's just so radically different, unbelievably different, so much so that the Romans thought the Christians were atheists. In other words, people without God, godless. Because they didn't have a temple, and they didn't have priests, and they didn't make sacrifices because of Jesus. All who follow him are the temple. And we're all priests. We're a royal priesthood, it says here. A Christian has direct access to God as his father. When you pray, Jesus said, say, our father. You have direct access to God, our father. And because of Jesus, his sacrifice, our debt has been paid. He died for our sins. It's free. I didn't say it was cheap. It's a gift. You can't be your own savior. Your efforts are never going to be good enough. But his are complete. You'll always fall short. My friends, we've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all. It's radically different. A royal priesthood. Well, we pray for others. We intercede for others. Jesus came for others. That's what we do. We intercede for others. That's why we're multi-site. We mustn't forget this place is a gift, you know. We're looking for a place for two years. Two years. Every door shut. Nothing, nothing, nothing. We were getting so full down there and we knew we just needed something to break. John comes in here for a parenting thing or a look at the school a day, evening, and never listens to a word he says but gauges the whole place and goes, oh, wow. And then everything falls into place. It's a gift. A door opened and walked into it. Don't forget this. Please don't forget this. This is part of our story. It's a gift. This is why we're multi-site. We're multi-site. We'll want to go again. And we'll want to do it again. This isn't it. We want to be where people are. Nothing's impossible with God. You can't do church of thousands in one building. You can't do it. You've got to have other sites. Raise your sites, church. This is why... We, this is part of our vision. Many locations. We have a vision for this town. And beyond I know. I know we do. But this town is where we live. And hence we have the Wickham Homeless Connection. Connected into that. That's why we are involved with Christians Against Poverty. 30 families. Debt free. 
Did he, I hope you heard what John said. We don't pay off the debt. We act as the intermediary and we help. We have two people at the office working, connecting with the clients and working alongside them. And the Bradford team uh, of the the legal and professional guys, they're up there. And they do all the work with the creditors. We walk alongside people. I used to work for the Abbey National Building Society as an assistant manager. I saw people. I saw people hand in their keys. Couldn't pay the debt. I didn't see anybody alongside them. I had no other conversations with other people. I got solicitors, letters, legal stuff out the door. We get an opportunity to walk alongside people. It's a very painful journey. Don't you think it isn't? We're we're here for this town. We're committed to this town. You know, I I looked at the small group guide. Do you know, there's so many groups that are involved with the vulnerable and the marginalized. Because we want the best for this town. So he says, look, dear friends, I urge you, foreigners and exiles. Now, he writes this deliberately because he wants them to get a really big picture. Because ultimately, this is not our home. If you're living as this, this is your, as this is your final destination, you are missing it. He doesn't say that to you. You're foreigners. You're exiles. I'll be speaking at a funeral next week. And most attending there will know that John is with the Lord. And they'll know that he lived in faith. And because he lived in faith, he died in faith. This world was not John's home. He's ultimately living for another day. And this is his day now. His favorite hymn is Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Boy, does John see. John sees Jesus face to face. John is in the middle of the glory of God. Wow. Raise your sights. This isn't it all it. Whilst we're here, let's do our best whilst we're here, but we've got a bigger, we've got a bigger picture, my friends. And that's what Peter's giving them. In John's gospel, the night before Jesus died, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If that were not so, but I have not told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus doesn't promise days of standing before kings and rulers, and he could have, or a day when mighty Rome will be nothing and the church will be all over the place. I mean, all over the earth by that. He promises them a place that he's prepared for them and that he has promised for them. He inspires them with heaven. Now, that's a vision, my friends. But whilst we're here, let's not be so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. No, the heavenly minded people are of earthly good. And they have their hearts set on here. They have their hearts set for people here. Let me finish here. Live such goodly, God, good lives. Let's live such good lives. Live it out, my friends. Now, how do I do that? I'm asking, live out integrity. Have integrity. Whatever you do, live out your life with integrity. 
You don't have to be a perfect life, you know. Be, be vulnerable. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be vulnerable. Be real. Be authentic. Have integrity. Be a safe place for people. Don't get involved in the gossip stuff. Don't do that. Don't get involved with snide remarks in the office or in the workplace. Don't do that or in the neighbor. Don't do it. Be a safe place. People will come to a safe place. They won't go to a place where it's not. Have integrity. Be authentic. Tell your story. If you get an opportunity, tell your story. I'm finishing here. I was at the hairdressers yesterday. I'm walking down to the hairdressers and I'm praying. And you must think, boy, is he super spiritual. But it's just happened that it was a moment, and I'm praying. I'm praying about the day. Lord, I want to live my life for you today, and I want to, I want to be a blessing to you today. So I go into the hairdress, and, um, and second up, get in a seat, the new person's doing my hair, cut my hair, and he says, uh, and, and the conversation got to Sunday's conversation around the place got to Sundays and he says he says I love Sundays because I can praise the Lord I'm thinking oh this is interesting <laughs> the lady next to him who's cutting the hair says careful he's a minister <laughs> so now I'm not quite sure where this guy is so but we get talking and um, and he has some church background he really does have some church background he said, did you always want to be a minister? What a moment. So I'm telling him that I met these Christians and they knew this person, Jesus. And I could see he made such a difference to their lives. And I wanted to meet the same person. And I did. About a minute, minute and a half. It was just a great joy. You understand that, don't you? But you have to take the step. I could have let it all go, you know. But I got a moment, and I took it. And afterwards, I never realized, I've never, and then I realized, you know, I did pray that I would have, I've been praying for these occasions all the time, but I did specifically pray. I just didn't expect it to come that quick. <laughs> My friends, live such good lives, eh? Have integrity. Be vulnerable. Be brave tell your story.